Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Two Story Building. My name is David Montgomery and I am so excited to share with you our new episode this week. I was so lucky to be able to sit down with the absolutely legendary Kimi Robertson, who a lot of people know from Twin Peaks, among about a billion other projects that she has been a part of. Um, she welcomed me into her home and was so... She she was everything that I would want from an interview. She was vulnerable and sweet and kind and thoughtful, as you'll hear in this week's episode. We talked a lot about her childhood and about a general rule that I think a lot of the world needs to be reminded of right now, which is to be kind to one another and really put yourself in someone else's shoes. But you'll hear all this for yourself in just a moment. So without any further ado, please enjoy this episode of Two Story Building. Please welcome Kimmy Robertson. Hi. Uh, Brennan name around. That's an expression I haven't heard since 1922. Because I'm secretly 200 years old. I love that. Thank you. You mind if I use it? Oh my God. Take it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I have to say, um, like, of course, I don't want to sit here and talk about Twin Peaks, whatever, you know, forever, unless you do. But um, but it is sort of like I'm trying not to fanboy out a little. Like, when I pulled up and saw you, I was like, oh, my God, there she is. <laughs> um, and I can't believe that you actually even said yes to doing this. So thank you again oh, my uh, pleasure. for that. But I have to ask, even though I know a trillion people have asked you this question, how incredible was it doing the return? <laughs> was that just like... A miracle. It, like, honestly. Living a miracle. I mean, every second of it, I was aware that I was in a miracle. For sure. I mean, how often, A, does something like that come back? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of stuff has been coming back lately. And actually, the qualifier there comes back and is good. Yeah. And that was the most... That was his finest hour david lynch those 18 hours i liked it too oh my god just the most incredible thing i wouldn't change anything about it including the ending which some people are weird about but oh it's so perfect i just thought it was lovely and i saw it at the same time everybody else oh okay did so i didn't know ahead of time yeah i mean i knew that i did what i did at in the seventeenth yeah, hour, had, you had that badass moment there. But I didn't know that I was going to do that until one minute before I did it. So, really, yeah, that's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Does it, is it? Does he not reveal the entire script? Not at all. No. Oh wow! And especially it seems with me, um, it the, what happens normally is uh, we're almost ready to shoot, and he says, "Lucy, do you have your script?" And I say, what script? <laughs> and he goes, can someone get Lucy a script? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You know, because I don't want to bother anybody or anything. I just um, I just did a show in Seattle a few months ago up at Ben Royal Hall. And I saw on Instagram that you were just up in, in uh, what's it called? Snoqualmie and North Bend. And, uh, and I I was like, I don't know when the next... I haven't been in Seattle in like 10 years. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm going up. Like, I mean, when I first moved to LA, I was like, I've got to find all the places that all my favorite stuff is. <laughs> yeah, you need to get in touch with Josh Eisenstadt. Do you know Josh Eisenstadt? I do not. Who's that? He's the curator of Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. I would, I would say unofficial because... Nobody's given him a badge or anything. Okay. But for sure, he's the curator. He knows everything there is to know about Twin Peaks. Literally everything. And I credit him and Eric Swan with um, bringing back the show. Really? Just their energy and all the work they did. And um, when David Lynch needed to back out because no one was negotiating with him and he was going to end up having to do a lesser production yeah. thing. Um, they really stepped up the publicity on we need... Uh, well, that's who started the No Lynch, No Twin Peaks. Yeah. No David Lynch, No Twin Peaks. No Lynch, No Peaks. Okay, and, there. And I have I'm a so glad that they started that. So thank, what are their names again? Uh, Josh Eisenstadt and Eric Swan. I love that. 
Yeah, so I, I, I went up in the day of the show that I was doing, I rented a car and I was like, I'm doing it. I found all the, all the pins on Google Maps of all the, you know, and I went to the diner and all that stuff. And then I had this moment where I was like, hmm, should I drive an hour north of here just to see the Palmer house? Like, am I really driving an hour yes. to take a picture of a house? Yes, and then in I was like, "L.A. T- terms for traffic, that's exactly. going to the grocery store." I didn't even think of that. Actually, that's pretty perfect. But so I did it. I was like, "I'll be mad at myself if I don't." So I went up, and I was like, "I feel so weird. This is a person's house. This is so creepy." Did you not? I heard that the woman who bought it, who's featured in the finale, I heard that she was pretty gracious with fans, but I still felt really icky about it. And then I'm sitting there, like calculating how long it's going to take me to get back to Seattle, and she's just walking in the house right then, and I'm like. Okay, so I went up and knocked on the door, and she was so kind, and yeah. she like gave me a whole tour and everything. And that's actually where, uh, for the listener, where um, we're actually recording. Kimmy was kind enough to invite me to her house, um, and it's beautiful. And actually, the way that it's decorated reminds me so much of that house. My house, this house does. Yeah, really. Have Have you been in? I have not been inside of it. It's no, pretty, after we're done here, I'll show you pictures. Okay. It's kind of incredible. Like it, it's really strange how much even the physical layout of the first two rooms. Like when you first walk in, this room, it just I don't know. It reminds me so much of it. It's weird. Well, this is called traditional. Yeah, and um. She lives in a traditional house, and she's connected to us, so I would guess that that's not so unusual. Yeah. It's weird, because I, I feel like, I, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, and I no lived way. in Philly. Yeah? I've been to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, I grew up going there almost every summer. Oh, really? My mom is from McKee's Rocks. Well, I thought you were going to say McKee's Port, and I was like, that's where I'm from originally. <laughs> well, it's a McKee's. It's pretty close. <laughs> Very close. Do you know Susan Barnes? She's from McKeesport. I don't pretty much think. Anyway, McKees Rocks is a couple hollers over, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, just on the McKeesport is southeast of the city, and that's like northwestish, I think. I can't remember. I haven't been through there in eight. I haven't even heard that uh, that name in so long. That took me back. That's where Andy Warhol grew up. Oh yeah, down in the bottom, in the poor section which growing up to me i was like this is the poor section i love it it was very (laughs) you know row houses yeah but everything's green and then byzantine churches yeah yeah it's got some cool spots and it's weird how much it's changed but that's i feel like that's every american city right now how every every city i go to i'm constantly hearing just locals are always saying oh you know, it's a really cool place and everything, but don't tell anybody because the hipsters are coming in and everything's being gentrified and you can't, you know, I was born and raised here and can't afford it now. And uh, and that's kind of how it's getting in certain pockets there. Well, I have a solution to that, David. What's that? We all get, and um, this isn't new, this is not a new thought, I've been saying this for about a year, we all get um, tiny houses mm-hmm. and uh, basically move in together. Everybody has their own tiny house or trailer. Let's do it. And we travel around the country and fix stuff, like stop in and say, uh, stop cutting that tree. The animals need it. The birds need it. Here, here's an umbrella so you don't have to get pooped on. I want to live in that world. I well, want to live in that world. It's a world that's entirely possible to live in. I live there now. I don't have a trailer yet, but I'm in love with the new Airstream Nest. What is that? That's it's, a trailer? It's a new Airstream, and I think they, I'm not sure the details, but I think they collaborated with somebody. But it's fiberglass instead of the aluminum. Oh, okay. And it's all one body, so there's no seams or anything. And it's, I'll show you a picture later. But it's got colored lights that change inside, and the one I want is called a front bed. So you walk in the back, there's a bathroom, a closet, and then refrigerator, microwave, stove, sink, little tiny couch, and nice big queen-size bed, and then these panoramic windows, and a sunroof. And you take that home anywhere. You can take that home anywhere with your dog and... So I'll get that, and everybody else can get what they want, and we just travel around. Now, did you grow up, um, like, camping a lot? No. We camped. We camped. Oh, no. (laughs) Mount Zion once. 
my uncle, we were the borrowers, my family, the Robertsons, they all borrowed like furniture. The furniture I grew up cleaning in the dining room is now in my cousin's dining room. Okay. And um, <laughs> uh, his kids played with my toys, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And my uncle gave us or loaned us a tent that was made out of canvas and was green and was so heavy. I think it was from some war, probably World War One. <laughs> really? So we finally got it set up, and it was a thousand degrees inside, and um, we were all trying. You know, we were there going to sleep, and then a mountain lion screamed in the distance, and we all got up and slept in the station wagon, the Vista Cruiser. <laughs> And how old were you? Well, that was 66, so I was 11. Okay. Probably, or 12. Yep. Mm-hmm. So so how many, do you have siblings? One sister. Oh, okay. And she was part of this whole thing, too? Yeah, she was. She wasn't there mentally. She was thinking of other stuff, probably. <laughs> Is she older or younger? She's older, two okay. years. I was going to say, if months, you were 11, she sounds hours. like she was probably a teenager at that point. Yeah. Were you guys she was very... always a teenager. She was brilliant and um she was a pipe organist and choir director at the age of 12 what in our local episcopal church she barely reached the pedals and yeah really really smart and so what i saw um happening to her with my mother um and the pressure i was smart enough in fourth or fifth grade to cheat on my IQ test because back then you were put in a room alone at this classroom and given the test and I remember there was boxes you checked and then there was uh, words I've recently done another IQ test and um, I don't remember there being that many words to write in the first one I took anyway so I, I answered everything correctly I mean it was like was this a joke this is so easy <laughs> And then I sat there for a minute and went, okay, I've got another, like, 40 minutes. I'm going to go back and change some of the squares. So I answered on purpose wrong. And then from then on, my mom, you know, would say, there's nothing special about you, Kimmy. You're just average. (laughs) And I was in the average uh, on the average track in public school. Okay. So it lowered lowered everyone's expectations. expectations. The pressure was off. Absolutely. So I, I wish I had that foresight that when I was in kindergarten, like I'm the six of seven kids and I like crazy wow. tumultuous, blah, everything's crazy. Um, but when I was in kindergarten at the end of the year, they said, we want to test David for the gifted program. And I did. And then I got in to it and then like I remained there all throughout school and that turned into this thing. There was like this, my mom didn't put any pressure on us kids really at all academically, but she would brag about me. She'd be like, oh, this is my David. He's going to be a college boy one day. And, like, I, as the six of seven, I was the first to graduate from high school, the only to go on to college. So it was this thing. Like, I, I felt this internal pressure that, like, well, I've got to do this. I, You know, whatever. I just, right, like, right. I put it on myself. I'm like, well, if she's going to be bragging about me, well, I may as well be good enough to be bragged about. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I should have had, well, I don't know. I wonder what I would have turned out like if I... Some bum. No, I'm kidding. That's not, I I know that everybody has their own path, and I don't think school is for everybody, oh, especially definitely. the way it's arranged. It's such a waste of time for most, especially if you have an artistic brain. And uh, at least for me, I deduced the answers to everything. Like geometry, I could not. I literally could not deduce those answers. I had to memorize stuff. Oh, okay. But everything else, uh, algebra... Everything. It was so easy. I I mean, the dumbbell track is really the way to go. That's, I feel like you're exactly like me in that way, because I was, I was, math was my thing. Algebra. So I, like, easy. I love it so much. It all just makes sense. And I hit a wall when I got to geometry. I was like. That doesn't make sense I was at like, all. It, it doesn't add up. I was like, you know, they're doing proofs. And I was like, I'm they proving it. It's up. like. They're doing these extra steps. I'm like, why should I have to do these steps? It's so silly. And I, I don't know which brain that is, left or right brain. But I'm, I'm like you in that capacity where I'm just like, this is 
this is my wheelhouse and that is not my wheelhouse. I know my limits right away. And biology was pretty... I like that too. Did you like biology? Um, yes and no. My My teacher was pretty cool, but I had a lot of stuff going on at that moment that I couldn't That is when you have a lot of stuff going on. When yeah. you have biology in high school and junior high. That's when stuff is going on. I did notice that. Mm. But so thank God it was easy. And speaking of growing up, knowing you're going to college, we were always taught we're, you're, you know, there's no not going to college. Oh, okay. You're going to college. Period. And in um, 72, when I graduated high school, that was pretty rare. And when my sister graduated high school in 70, it was extremely rare. And uh, except for a people her friends, you know, her peers, because they were all in the gifted mm. thing. But when she went to uh, Irvine, UC Irvine, she wanted to go into pre-med, and they wouldn't let her. They they, they would have let her, but they discouraged her. Uh, they put a lot of pressure on her not to. Oh, okay. Because women just don't become doctors, you know, but you're a woman. Yeah. It was, she got that a lot. And so... Um, she ended up, she ended up in, um, USC, um, music theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she graduated with Walter Matthaus, one of his sons, and there was only nine people in the whole graduating <laughs> class. And then she became a recording engineer. And when she was recording, uh, helping Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. Because the his engineer got sick or something. I couldn't come. I was there. I was there. And uh, we were really big into music before I became an actor. That's just what we did. And um, he said, what, you're, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm your engineer. And he said, but you're a woman. Or you're a girl. He said that. Wow. Yeah. That's, and it's so wild. That was so hurtful to her. We aren't socially very uh, well adjusted because okay. we weren't really allowed to play, and we never understood the sandbox rules. You know the things that are set up in yeah. sandbox. This means this. This means this. It's never any truth. There's all these rules to society what you can and can't do, what you can and can't say, how you say it, how you do it. It's all been set up. And back then was the 50s, and for crying out loud, it was way different. Yeah. um, It's basically how to, you learn how to lie. And, um... And that's the age that that kind of stuff, when you formulate it on your own, that's when it starts. I was a teacher for 11 years. I taught first grade. And it was so wild to see those behaviors just coming up through and just watching these interactions between these kids. And you can see it's that so like, weird. it's like, this is, you know, you're, I always said that like the first grade year is the, the year with like the most, uh, most progress and most change and development because mm-hmm. they come into the class at the beginning of the year as babies that cry when they drop their pencil and they sometimes pee their pants and they get upset about nothing and they can't read. And at the end of that school year, they're reading little chapter books. And they're these little social emotional beings that are like funny and smart and have almost feelings about, yeah, feelings about real things. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when they're sad, it's over something tangible that actually makes sense. Like my mom's not around a lot. You know, whereas before it was just like, oh, glitter fell off of my picture. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Like I had a girl that did that one time, hyperventilating. And I was like, oh, oh my God, what's happening right now? And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, I was like, are you hurt? I need you just, yes, you're hurt. No, you're not hurt. Where does it hurt? And she couldn't verbalize anything. And she points to her picture. And I'm like, what? And a sequin had fallen off of this thing. And I'm like, so you're going to be an artist. Yes. Like, okay. Designer. That's what's happening with you. I can see it now. But oh, yeah. Sweet. Oh, I love it. Plus, they kids were... I remember first grade is when they really saw a lot in kindergarten, but first grade is when they really were perfecting the mean, the mean stuff. Like I was five, and so I was the kids. Oh, okay. I was made fun of for not being six. 
in first grade. How dare like, you not be that six? That is the most bizarre. Okay, whatever, sir. I'm five. Yeah, they pick the weirdest things, and yeah. it means everything to you at that age, because yeah. that's your whole social emotional world. Well, that from that I checked out, and okay. that that instance I checked out for the rest of school. Yeah, because I went, okay, I get it. Enough stuff had happened in kindergarten that this I thought was going to be different. I thought, well, now we're in first grade, we're more grown up, we're going to be um, civilized, and no wasn't we did eventually move out of the that town which is more of a blue collar town okay to a kind of a white collar town and i i can't believe i'm saying this i mean in 2018 yeah but it made a huge difference in um the meanness there wasn't any of those games in the white collar town people were just friendly and they liked you or they didn't like you, but they didn't try to subvert or manipulate or attack or spread rumors. Yeah. Or, I mean, it was a it was a huge difference, and it was one town over. Why is there a fly in here? <laughs> I don't know, but it's fine. So where where did you grow up? Southgate up until oh, was, okay. in sixth grade we moved to Downey, okay. where the carpenters grew up. They they grew up in Downey, really? Well, they, they grew up to, uh, I don't know, like sixth grade also, somewhere else, some other state, and oh, okay. then they moved here. Oh, wow. You didn't know them, did you? I did not. Oh, well, I did later. I knew Richard. He lived right down the street from us. Oh, wow. Up until just recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Finally sold his house in Downey. Oh, okay. It was a big deal because he had instant hot water. <laughs> Yeah, really big deal. <laughs> I love it. He's very nice. Very, oh, very that's sweet. sweet. So tell me more about uh, about school and growing up. Well, I was not in school that much. I've had a back issues since I was, I think, six. Some guy, Dr. Risser, was trolling the schools looking for people with scoliosis. Okay. And... Um, they had a nurse and a, and him uh, going and uh, going throughout the schools, and you lined up in a line and bent over and touched your toes, and they looked at your spine. And I was in this long line, and the, it was like in the little theater part of the school. So I was standing in the wings, and I remember touching the velveteen curtains and. I heard a message, get out of line, get out of line, get out of line. And I could have very easily ducked, gone into the bathroom, and then gone to come back and gone to the other side where they, everybody who they checked was there. Mm-hmm. And um, or just gone back to the classroom. And I, being a good girl, that's gotten me into a lot of trouble actually in my life being good and um i did it and they got really excited i got one i got one look at it just blinders on the corner of the ball. oh god so my parents being also good went to his office and he explained what he wanted to do and um basically what it was it was fuse the thoracic section of my back that's the upper section, a bone fusion, and um, I was sitting there, uh, five and a half years old, and he's got this big skeleton on a stick, and he takes out some pliers, and he says, okay, I'm going to uh, snap each one of these little... He's saying this in front of you? ...mandibles, or whatever they are, the things that, that stick out of your back, those scales that yeah. stick out... And like a dinosaur, and I lay them flat and hammer them, and then they grow. We keep you still for a year or so, and they they grow into your spine and make a solid bone. It's called a bone fusion, and I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, like turn- at that age, were you able to like fully comprehend oh, how yeah, terrifying that, that sounded, and that, that it was a wrong thing to do? Oh, definitely. And um. 
also I was the second white girl on the planet that he performed this surgery on. He had been, and the reason I said it like that, yeah, is he had been in China perfecting this technique on Chinese girls for years. Oh I can't God. even imagine those women what what their lives were like. Yeah. After that, after he's perfecting I was going to say, imagine being like a, a test subject for that. Jesus. And China, I mean, like, what are they, guinea pigs? I, I, oh I Even God. as a little kid, I remember my parents put up on the uh, bulletin board in the kitchen an article of him in a rickshaw and saying, Dr. Risser riding around in China while he's perfecting it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So anyway, when I had the surgery done, I had an out-of-body experience. So I, I that changed, that really changed my life, and um, for for the better. I was already kind of hocus pocusy, but that really made made a definite hocus pocus person out of me. And um, I'm saying that that's why I had. The surgery yeah and but i used to always say to my mom mom there's a pill there's something missing in me something is missing and it just needs a pill to fix it this is at that age like yeah five and a half. Uh-huh. i was very intuitive and my mom listened sometimes but mostly not and anyway listen this was very painful for her yeah i was in a cast for the very long time and i wasn't in school hardly at all okay and um which was good hi guys it's me david montgomery again if you would do us a quick favor just pause this after i'm done talking And go into the iTunes store and leave us a nice positive rating and a nice review. That would be very, very cool of you. And the second thing I want to remind you of is that my debut stand-up and storytelling album, Queen of Small Town Gossip, is available now on Amazon and iTunes. Please go ahead and get it. And you know what? While you're at it, leave a review for that too. Say it was the most amazing thing you've ever heard and you think that all other content in the world should be deleted because this is now the gold standard. That being said, let's get back to the show. Were you a picky eater growing oh, up? Oh, yes. And it's not, it's because of the folic stuff. Okay. I don't taste the same stuff. Oh, it affects your palate. It affects everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Bodies are smart. And weird and hard to understand. <laughs> but, yeah, so you have to do a lot of, I do research all the time. But back to salmon. Um, when Pat and Don Shook invited me to the Twin Peaks Festival that they were doing, mm. starting in 93, I went in 96. And at the place on Bainbridge Island, the Kiana Lodge. Oh, I should have given you a Kiana Lodge cup for your coffee. Oh, you're totally of fun. Snoopy. <laughs> well, oh, you, wow. gave, you gave me a choice and I said, I love Snoopy. So, <laughs> yay. So, that's on me. Yeah, those <laughs> good ones are kind of hidden in the back. Anyway, um, they had all these coals and mesquite and stuff outside as long as the this living room was about six by however this long is 35 feet mm-hmm. something like that of all these coals and then on top a grate and a guy with a big wooden paddle turning the salmon which had just been caught okay and i said so i said okay i'm i gotta be polite and try it how yeah. that work and stuff it was amazing. I was going to say that sounds incredible. And I'm, I'm not the person who ever says, that fish sounds good, but that sounds so incredible. It was so good. It didn't taste like fish at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's amazing. I want that right it now. It was really good. <laughs> so I only have it when I'm up there. We had um, a dinner. We all had, a bunch of us had dinner up there at the Roadhouse the, in Fall City. It's the building the restaurant where they that they used as the roadhouse the exterior yeah I, yeah I went past there I didn't go in but I almost did they have good food yeah and he just he just bought the place he's been renting it for years so he's going to be the owner in oh, okay. September 
Nice. So I highly recommend going by and saying hi and getting the salmon, yeah. the fish, whatever the fish Wait, is. This is the guy that did the the mesquite thing. No, this is not. Oh, the guy. I was like, oh my god, now I have to go to Seattle and do <laughs> this. <laughs> no, I don't know where that person is. He was the Indian. Oh, okay. An engine. An engine, honest engine. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, wait, you you said you went up for the, the Twin festival. Peaks festival. Cool. A couple and... weekends ago. Oh, that's what you were just doing when... Oh, okay. That's when all the Instagram stuff that I saw. Okay. Now it's all coming together. Did yeah. I post on Instagram? Yeah. You, you posted some like pictures from one the... one picture. From two. the area. Yes. So I knew that you were up there. Right. Um, in general, but I didn't know what the you were doing. The tree with the hole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. It's such a weird... Like, actually, it was really funny. I, they... Whenever I do the moth shows... Um, I'm going to start hosting soon, but normally whenever I tell a story at those, the host will introduce you with a, uh, rather than reading something from your bio, they introduce you with your answer to a question that they pose an hour or two earlier. So it was like, when's the last time you, um, you were in a jam or, you know, whatever, something related to the theme. And, uh, and my thing was that day when I was driving, I couldn't find the entrance to like find a view of the falls in Snoqualmie. Oh, and that's I, so confusing it is and i'm going Especially by the map a weekend and it, it says that i'm it says that i'm there and i'm like driving in circles around this triangle like where am i supposed to go <laughs> and i was using google maps i normally use Waze. now Waze tells you how fast you're going and i use it constantly so i don't even look at the speedometer i look on the app and it turns red and says i'm going too fast so i'm like okay but i was using google maps that day and i didn't realize i was going like 30 miles over the limit on this random street uh, on the other side of the falls, and just as I'm like, oh, I might be going a little too fast, and then I see the sign that says 35, and I'm like 65, and then I see a cop, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, really? Don't tell me you got a ticket. Well, he pulled me over. He 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 pulls me over. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I was great until right now. He says, uh, I guess you know why uh, why I pulled you over. Yeah, I didn't. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the speed limit. Until I saw that, and it's I live in LA, so normally when there's no one on a street, you go really fast. I'm so sorry, that's not an excuse, uh, but that's that's why it happened. And uh, he's like, "Let me guess, you're uh, you've never been up here before." I was like, "Not not out here." And he's like, "Trying to see the falls." I was like, "Yes, I'm trying to see the falls." And he's like, "It's actually just around here." Blah blah. blah. I was like, "Yeah, I apologize. I'm, I'm going on Google Maps." I'm doing a show at Benaroya Hall, and I'm uh, I'm trying to find all the Twin Peaks stuff. And he's like, "Oh, I love that show." He's like, "Actually, the diner's just down here, about half a mile that way." And uh, he's like, "Oh, it's amazing, and you really do need to try the pie." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's cool. it's good cherry pie." And we sat there talking for a few minutes, and he ended up going. He's like, "You know what? I'm just going to let you off with a warning. Thank you so much." <laughs> I felt really stupid about it, but it kind of worked that I was a dork and he was a dork too. I had almost. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're fine. Okay. I had almost the same thing happen. Yeah. Because I had my friend, my roommate from college, in the car with me. That's why I was going too fast. Were they driving or were you driving? I was driving. Oh, okay. And chit chatting, and he <laughs> forgave us. <laughs> I see you got pulled over too. Mm-hmm. He said, I understand. He said, when was the last time you guys saw each other? What Aww. school did you go to? All this stuff. I, I was, have a feeling. It sounds like it was the same car. Probably the same guy. <laughs> it was. It actually is a nice memory. He turned it into a nice memory for me. And ever since then, I don't speed there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's one of those things. It's once, once bitten, twice shy. I'm just like, yeah, okay. But I ended up, I was like, I was so, I was such a dork going around that town. And I got, actually, this is random because you did watch the the new series. A lot of people are like in stuff and don't pay attention to it. And I love that you actually love it. Um, one of my favorite things, it's David Lynch is so random. And he just pulls these things out of nowhere that make no sense. And I adore mm-hmm. every second of it. Um Right by the diner, there's um, there's this scene where I guess um, a gunshot goes off and Bobby Briggs goes yes. running out. It's that little kid standing there, and then the woman in the car 
who's credited as woman in car, right. sitting there just laying on the horn. It is my favorite scene oh, gosh. in the world. That woman is so bizarre and wonderful. <laughs> I just like, my, I had to go to that spot. I was like, oh my God, where is woman in car? I want to see woman in car right now. I seen that gun go shooting out the window. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's my I, favorite. Uh, that's, it, it was too real for me. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, kind of the kind of reality that I like to not pay attention to. Oh, of course. And so that was probably the scariest scene in all of the, those 18 hours for me. Really? Yeah. Yes. It's funny because from I don't get spooked easily by regular, you know, I can watch something where like, you know, a hacksaw comes and cuts a person in two in a movie and I'm just like eating popcorn and I'm fine. Lynch's stuff is the only stuff that can really get me spooked because it's so psychological and it's so it comes out of just like a nightmare i think for him at times you know i i don't fully know what his process is because he's he's seen yeah and it's it's he has this way of just like chilling you to the bone over and and it's different for every person some people will pick one random thing that is so terrifying to them and another person can see that be like i was fine by that but here's what terrified me and That's I, why everybody has to watch it to yeah. find their scene. Yeah, it's oh god, it's so good, it's so good. And um, yeah, one of the few dramas so that real. I can rewatch is anything by him. Like typically, I'll rewatch my like I've seen Thirty Rock. I could sit here and reenact the entire series, start <laughs> to finish for you. Arrested Development, same thing. Um, all my comedies like that, really well-written comedies, I, I can like watch over and shows. over. Oh, yeah? Yay. I kind of had a feeling, but that makes me really mm-hmm. happy. But then, uh, but dramas, I like, I'm one and done. But with his stuff, I, I can watch it over and over and over Especially again. Especially Eraserhead. That's... Oh, God, I haven't seen that in a while. But, God, it's so bizarre. And the little woman <laughs> in the radiator. Yes. It's so... I... I can easily see you playing her, actually. <laughs> that would be... If, if they... I mean, heaven forbid that they should try to read because sometimes they remake these things. I'm like, yes. why, what are you guys doing? Don't sometimes mess with perfection. I watch TCM and everything is remade. I mean, <sighs> I was watching yesterday The Fast and the Furious from with Dorothy Malone. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so far, I've only gotten in like five minutes. So far, it doesn't seem to be the same story. Oh, okay. Or it could be, but it's the same title. Yeah. And it's about cars and anyway, a race. So we'll see. And I also, didn't realize that, that that was that came from everything except what David Lynch does <laughs> is a remake. I'm telling you, it's bizarre. I was watching uh, several years ago MASH in black and white. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't MASH. It was the same story. Really? But it was from like the early fifties or the late forties. And it was the same story, and it wasn't called MASH, but it was MASH. Yeah. And it was set in Korea. It was, I think it was Korea. Maybe it was about World War Two, but it was yeah. the exact same story, the same characters. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, that's things. kind of a horrible thing for me to say because everybody is like, oh, MASH is revolutionary and stuff. Well, <laughs> hmm. But it's funny that, like, sometimes those... <clears throat> When people take creative license on something, how frequently they'll be like, oh, by the way, I got the idea from watching an old episode of whatever. And uh, and sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, I could totally see that. It's amazing to me how like, you know, they say there's infinite possibilities in, cre- in creative writing and whatever else. But it's like, we're all people. How many more stories can we get out of whatever? <laughs> and then something brand new happens. And we're like, where did this come from? So, yeah. I even heard on NPR once that the Star Wars theme is not original, and they played what? it. It was in Paramount's cache of music that they used in different stuff, and it was much more marchy, but it's oh, okay. the same tune, same song. I can't remember what song. They just did this piece. I don't know what, what NPR show it was on recently. Just a few weeks ago, they did this piece about a specific piece of music that uh, I had never heard before. And it originally was like a March style piece of classical music. And 
all of these people are just gushing about how it should have been our national anthem. Oh. And I, I wish, I, it's so pointless for me to even mention it because I don't remember what piece of music it, it was. It wasn't God Bless America? No, it was, it was a completely instrumental piece um, that was originally meant for, um, for like orchestration like that, but I can't remember what it was. What a perfectly useless thing for me to mention. No, because it'll, <laughs> we'll remember, we'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe we'll write in if you out. have any idea what I'm talking about, guys. <laughs> Listen, just at me. <laughs> um, yeah, because that because the Star Spangled Banner is kind of goofy. Yeah, that's one of those songs that I, I, just, I mean, cob- isn't it sort of cobbled together or something? I mean, I've studied about it a lot, and none of, none of it. Is coming back to me now. But like, <laughs> like me with French, I took like six years of French, and I know bonjour, s'il vous plaît. Okay, so <laughs> I was on Saint Martin, and I took four years of French. Okay, and um, a couple, a French couple, came up and uh, asked me a question. I was in the back seat of a car, and Michael Haggerty was driving. We were at Pinel Island, on our way back to the ship. We were doing Speed 2. Okay. So we're going back to the Seaborn Legend, the ship we were living on, <clears throat> excuse me, for four months. And um, they waved, and so he stepped on the brakes, and we all rolled our windows down, and they were, they were speaking in French. <laughs> and I completely understood them, and I said, oh, well, you go blah, 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 and this and that, and then. And I tried to say a little in French, but they got it. Oh, really? But I could understand them. And so everyone in the car was super impressed. And I was like, guys, I took French for four fucking years. You think I could at least understand one question? If I see it written, I can slowly pick it apart and piece it together. But hearing it, I am... At a total loss. I'm at a complete and total loss. I think you need to be, my whole point is, on an island and having just left a yeah. day at Pinel Island. And so you're completely relaxed, no anxiety whatsoever. And so are they. And they speak to you rather slowly. Then you would be able to answer them. <laughs> That's my whole point. And also, I realized later that day that I had a phobia of speaking other languages because that was uh, drilled into me by my mother because she's Russian and oh, okay. I was called a commie red in that first town Southgate okay. walking home from school. She was raised in Russia? like born No, she was raised in McKee's Rock oh, okay, okay. but her parents escaped. Okay. So uh, it's Ukrainian, it's Russian, it's Polish. I don't know exactly where we're from we are originally white russians who escaped remember when they were killing everybody when the, oh, yeah. what's his name they changed from having a king to having that swell system they decided was the new swell system oh god anyway so in the 50s we were in the cold war and a lady with a cigarette glasses curlers and a hairnet in a house coat would lean out her screen door and say get off my lawn you call me red to me like four years old walking along on on the curb going up and down on the curb and sometimes stepping on her lawn so um and my mother would speak russian with my aunt and um I would speak it, and she would no give me this finger, the index finger. Don't you dare. Don't you dare speak this language ever. So I could oh, understand wow. it, Yeah, but I wasn't allowed to speak it. So I think that transferred over to any language. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I learned that on St. Martin. I figured that out. I love figuring things out, even silly little things like that. There's, what scares me right now is I feel like, you know, back then the the country was in, I mean, you see all these things in history books about signs that say, you know, whites only here and no Japanese need apply and all, all these gross things. And I feel like we've come so far and so much well, of that is coming there. back. 
I, my nieces, I used to mention to them, and they would look at me with these blank, uninterested stares uh, while I would explain how we would have to duck under desks when they would have a siren yeah. to practice for when some bomb came and um, how lucky we are. And, of course, you know, okay, old lady, telling us your stupid-ass memories that mean nothing and are not relevant. What is the point? I'm trying to teach you that this is something you need to defend and yeah. actively yeah. defend because people want to take it away, especially Russian people. And um, they are doing it. Cause the, and that was like 12 or 15 years ago I was oh, okay. lecturing them on this stuff. I've since given up lecturing them because uh, um, they don't. They're not interested in anything that I say or any of my experiences. Um, so that's fine. They can learn on their own. In the but, hard way, I guess, now. But it is scary how it... I I was always concerned that this would happen again. Yeah. And now it is. And people are letting it. Just so that it can be Republican. I mean, we need to figure out something. Because you can't sacrifice an entire country just so we can be Republican. Yeah. That's so lame. So what's... Who cares what it... I mean, there's got to be a way to do, you know, the Republican stuff, like with money. It's all about money. Oh, of course. And destroy the environment and all of that stuff, but still not become Rus owned by Russia. Yeah. There's got to be a way. And, and turning it into the most hateful place in the world anymore just every I know and everybody used to I used to travel a lot and everyone adored me isn't it humiliating to travel internationally now as an American it's humiliating people they hear your American English accent I know I'm leaving for a, uh, to go to a few countries soon and I was wishing I could get a t-shirt made in time it's a week from now I'm American and I'm sorry, or I apologize, um, you know, with some kind of... And also, I did not vote for him. I did not <laughs> vote for Yeah, I was just in, um, I was in Sweden um, in April, and I got a lot of that from, like, my drivers and stuff like that at the airport and, you know, people on the plane and things like that. People are just like... What are you guys doing over there? I'm like, I'm no, not doing it. It's not me. And like the year before, I was in London, and I've got really great friends over there. And they're like, "What are you doing? He's not going to be president." I'm like, "No, he's not going to be president. He he won't. I promise you oh, that." Oh no, I knew he was going to be president because oh. I went to Virginia hmm. uh, at Halloween, yeah, in 2016, and my friend drove me to uh, Bush Gardens to go look at Bush. You know the rides and stuff mm -hmm. and I saw confederate flags Ugh. that were like 10 by 15 Jesus. huge yeah. confederate flags and I said oh Damien Trump's gonna win isn't he and he goes no he could never I said look at all these confederate flags yes he is he's going to win that's what scares me is like everybody you know all the good people thought at the time it could never happen we can't take this seriously well, that's kind of and having now, your head stuck in exactly. the sand and being on and the now, left or the right coast now everything exactly. people need to leave the la zip code yeah, yeah. for five seconds and yeah. go see what's going on have a little interest in what's going on on the other side of the mountains yeah i mean it's a different world i drive to my cabin up by yosemite and before I had satellite radio, I had to listen to regular radio. And so there was no FM, virtually one station. And everything else was AM. And it was all, uh, excuse me, Christian. But they were saying bad stuff about African Americans. And it was a quote-unquote Christian. Oh, my God. God. And gay, gay people and lesbian people and... Um, I don't remember the other. There was something else. I couldn't believe 
I thought it was a sketch oh or something. God. And then, so I changed, when I realized it wasn't, I changed the channel. And that was on that station, too. All of them. Like, this is Bakersfield. Okay. All the way up the center of the state. So I went, okay, I'll get a new car. <laughs> with satellite radio. <laughs> and I did. Fuck them. And so, I guess what would be next is... Maybe to solve this problem for the entire world, we all take your advice, and we all get our own campers and our trailers, and we all make our we camper go, country. We go wherever we need to go, and we help the animals, yes. and we help the people. Yes, and we, and uh, we be kind and loving. Ugh, words and to live by. Teach and learn without judgment, and be grateful. You know, I I uh, watched Ancient Aliens most of yesterday because it's on Fridays on History Channel. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that within a year <laughs> after, okay, this is Saturday, and I spent all of Friday watching Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that within a year we will have been contacted outwardly by aliens saying, okay, you're not going to live through one more year weather-wise. I mean, you know, this weather is very abnormal. Yeah. Heat like this for this long, mm-hmm. this hot, and then I don't know if you remember the winter, the rains. Oh, the two years, those yeah. little hurricane things mm-hmm. and how Puerto Rico is basically gone and all that stuff and Katrina, even all the way back to... We won't live very much long. I mean, we can't live through this kind of weather. The fires, it's um, it's extreme, extraordinarily yeah. extreme. Something you can't deny at this so point. So the aliens are going to come and help us. Ooh, that would be nice. Well, Kimmy, this is as good a time as any to thank you so very much for being on the show. This was so nice to sit down and talk to you. Wow, it's like I feel like we just started... We just got started. I know, right? Oh, come back whenever you want. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Two Story Building. The show is produced and hosted by me, David Montgomery. You can find me on social media under the username at buymeahotdog because I'm a disgusting person. If you have a question or if you just want to write me a message and tell me how much you love what you're hearing, go ahead and drop me a line. Make sure you stay subscribed to the show as well because we have some amazing upcoming guests in the next few weeks. Thanks so much.